Well, it looks like in this round of conference realignment, Boise State is going to get left out of the Power Five and the Pac-12 won't be adding them at this point in time. Is their reasoning flawed? Depends on who you ask. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. Lots to get to today. A football topic, as always, because we're trying to remember, right, that in the midst of all this craziness and non-news craziness, I know, isn't that a weird sentence to say, but very, very accurate as well, football season is just not that far away. We're kind of like basically in the middle of July. Fall camp is just not that far away, which means this is the last calendar month of the year that we won't have college football. How exciting is that? So we'll get to that, uh, and then we'll talk about the Irish of Notre Dame later in the show as well. But I saw this the other day. So there was a clip going around on Twitter of Dan Patrick, who is a, a wonderful sportscaster. And it's just, is there is there a sports talk host who's as smooth and fluid as Dan Patrick? Probably not. Like, it feels so easy for him, probably because he's done it for such a long time. And it probably is so easy for him at this point in time. But anyway, so there was a seven-minute clip going around where he was talking about um, my bread and butter here on the show, conference realignment. So Boise State at this point in time, does not appear like they're going to be joining a Power 5 conference. Doesn't mean they couldn't do it one day. But right now, it seems like they're going to get left out. So he was texting. It looked like he was either reading the messages of or texting live uh, on the show, at least in the clip that I saw, who he named as a college football source. I don't know who that is. Only Dan Patrick knows who that is. But I'm going to go with Dan Patrick is probably not making this stuff up. So according to his college football source, he said that San Diego State and SMU are still on the top of the minds of the Pac-12 people to join the conference. And, you know, they, they think that that's going to move in that direction. And that the schools that are just missing the cut are Boise State and UNLV. And one of the reasons that, that he cited from his source as Boise State not passing the smell test for the Pac-12 is that they don't have very many good sports. Now, when I have talked about Boise State on this show, and this applies to Fresno State as well, the reason that I have come to the determination that you're not going to see Boise State or Fresno State added right now, at least to the Pac-12, is that they don't pass the academic bar of whatever line those presidents are drawing Boise State and Fresno State are not in the same category academically. They're not the sort of research institutions that they, they, they just are not similarly minded on that front as the universities that are in the Pac-12 holistically when you look at the conference, right? They're not AAU members, they're not big research schools, they're not super renowned schools. Like it's just not something that they have at this point in time. Doesn't mean they aren't perfectly good schools, but in the eyes of the Pac-12 presidents, and as we all know, what's going on my gravestone, everybody? Yeah, every dayers already know. Presidents vote on realignment. Written in one of those nice little arcs like the SpongeBob rainbow hands that say nobody cares. I care that presidents vote on realignment. And you should too. 
because that's how these decisions get made. So that's how I've always looked at it. But the way that Dan Patrick's source indicated Boise State was getting overlooked or bypassed in this round of realignment for the Pac-12 was that, well, they don't have, you know, any good sports teams outside of, uh, you know, football's past their heyday, but still good and whatnot. But, you know, nothing else is good. And to me, that represents, if that is accurate, that's a flaw. That is, that is, that is a huge, major flaw. I'm not coming on here to bash the secondary sports. I'm coming on here right now to explain the reality of the situation. About, these are rough numbers and can change going forward, but in talking to people who know media rights and whatnot better than I do, the general kind of agreed upon figure is about 85% of a media deal's valuation is tied to football. The other 15% is basketball men's basketball specifically. Now, women's basketball is taking off. Again, that's something that can change in the future. But football is the driving force of everything on the athletics and media rights front. When I'm talking about, oh, you need valuable TV products, you need good games, you need, we're talking football. And if you're talking about a G5 brand to add to your conference, there are not many that are stronger as a brand. I'm not saying as a team right now in this moment, as a brand, you can't really find any that compare to Boise State. I don't think as a brand, San Diego State or SMU are on the level of Boise State. Because Boise State in its heyday was a top five program in the country. Once upon a time, they played a non-conference game uh, in, in football against Georgia. And they beat them. Yeah, that sort of Chick-fil-A kickoff game where Oregon went down and got blasted in Atlanta. Boise State won that game against Georgia once upon a time. That's a thing that happened that we may all not remember. Boise State has beaten Oklahoma. Boise State beat Arizona in a Fiesta Bowl. Boise State, at least I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, that sounds right. Boise State has that sort of brand respect across the country. Everybody knows Boise State like everybody knows Gonzaga. It's the non-Power 5, mid-major, little guy, underdog, Cinderella brand. That's the brand. So when I heard that, it struck me. To hear, wait, 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 the academic component, people may not like that. I, I personally, I don't care. I would like to add Boise State because of what I know their football program can be. Like you're losing USC and UCLA, you're going to lose one of your most viewed football games. You're going to lose a lot of your most viewed football games. So to maximize your television viewership, you know what you need? You need brands that people can watch, that people are interested in. And Boise State has had all this success over the last 15 years or so at the G5 level in the WAC and in the Mountain West. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you would have college football fans not just remember that and understand that, but also then think, what could they do in the Pac-12? Could they go out and win the Pac-12 quickly? Yeah. I'm not saying it would be in a year. I'm not saying it would be in two. But I've come on here and laid out kind of roughly, and I'm waiting for the you know final admission of the stuff to go go at it in, in 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 depth further. But I've laid out how San Diego State and SMU, in their own ways, can be competitive teams. Boise State and Fresno State would fall into that camp as well. And so when I hear, well, you know, they don't have good other sports, I'm sorry, but that that shouldn't even be a calculation. You shouldn't be thinking about that sort of stuff. 
You shouldn't be worried about what the tennis team is going to do or what the baseball team can be. Heck, I can make the argument pretty easily. You don't even need to worry about what the men's basketball team can do. The men's basketball team, by the way, was in the tournament, I believe, two years ago. So it's not as if they're completely incompetent or incapable of being a quality program on that front. But let's put that aside. The only thing you need to care about, if Boise State came into the conference, or any team for that matter, whether it's SMU, San Diego State, Fresno State, UNLV, whoever, if they came in and were good at football and horrible at everything else, that is a net positive for your league. Because that sport matters so much more than all the other ones. It matters more than the other ones put together. And I think that that sort of thinking, if, if that is a widespread belief, which is not guaranteed, right? I trust that Dan Patrick has a source that, you know, is, is trustworthy. And so it's at least somewhat of a thought within the Pac-12. That's the indication that I have to go off of here. I don't know who it is. I don't know what his connections were or anything like that. But that to me feels kind of like an extension of the academics argument, right? Big 12 is not worried about academics. They're, they're adding, you know, anybody and everybody that they need and, you know, cultural alignment and values and everything like that. They're, they're not super worried about it. They're just saying, eh, what gives us the best athletic product? And that's what they've done. And they've made the most of that. And they got some of the most attractive G5 brands. So for the Pac-12, it feels like an extension of arguments. Say, well, you know, we got to look at, you know, holistically. We got to think about, you know, what what's the big picture here? And 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 I think that's a frustrating mentality for me as a Pac-12 guy to 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 see as being what what the reality is, being that that is that is how they think. I have, I have a couple more thoughts on that because I think they're uh, they're they're kind of intertwined, and we do have to talk about some football as well because I had I had some curious thoughts. Now one of one of those curious thoughts is that FanDuel is America's number one sports book. I know, I got you again. Because you, if you haven't already, can take your first swing, pun intended, at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in, first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. So you just bet 20 bucks, and you'll land $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose. That easy. That's 200 you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over-under to who's going to hit the first home run to is Cal going to go over four and a half wins, which every day is no. I think the answer is yes, all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet Major League Baseball or anything else you need in college football than America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, we've completed our second segment. So a couple a couple thoughts here on, on, on Boise State just to kind of wrap this up. The academics argument that I have laid out, again, I don't agree with. I, well, I don't think that's the right way of looking at it exactly. It's not how I would like them to operate, but I fully understand why they operate in that realm and why academics matter to presidents and why they care about that sort of stuff. That, to me, makes logical sense. This, however, does not. I do not see how you look at an athletics program and say, okay, they have what we're looking for, past success, money at the program. I don't know that there's you know a ton at Boise State, but there's clearly enough to attract some quality coaches. There's clearly enough. I mean... You know, Chris Peterson went from Boise State to the Pac-12, and their current head coach is a former coordinator in the Pac-12, and their head coach before that got hired at the SEC. 
So it's not as if they don't have big names or high caliber coaching names or reputation for, for coaches coming in and out of that program. And it's not as if they haven't had success either. But if you are the Pac-12 and you look at a school like Boise State, let's say, for instance, just as a hypothetical, that Boise State was good enough academically. Maybe not great academically, but good enough. Let's say they were good enough academically and in the research department and university mission and yada, yada, yada to fit the bill for the Pac-12. If the holdup is then, well, you know, football is great, but everything else, eh, they just don't have, you know, great sports and all this sort of stuff. What are we doing? What are we doing? That's such a backwards, perverse way of thinking about it. You know where they play the best? Uh, you know where the last two uh, college baseball national champions have come from? The SEC. Mm-hmm. You know where there are a bunch of great softball programs? The SEC. Yeah. You know why those college baseball programs are so good? Because the SEC is spending money on it. You know why the SEC is able to spend money on those programs? Yeah, because football brings it in. If you are new to the college sports space, and that's okay, welcome. It's a wonderful and ever-evolving and changing, might I add, world to be a part of and to engage with. This is how the funding in a college athletics department works. The money that goes to a department, specifically from the media deal, but also in donations and such and you know total revenue that comes into an athletic department... An athletic department's budget at a big school that has a big football program is in the hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Usually between like one and 200, maybe eight, between 80 and 200 million dollars, depending on what school, what program you're talking about. That money does not exclusively go to the football program. That is how every other sport gets paid for. Scholarships, coaches' salaries, equipment, travel, food, everything, Right? That is how, now the scholarships, I, I, that, that component might be different, but that is how these athletic departments operate. So if you're concerned about, well, you know, the other sports are not doing well enough, we want them to do better, you know how you do that? You maximize football. You make it as great as you can. And then when your athletic department at that particular school or at any school whether it's Boise State or the like, is able to bring in the most money possible, that's more money for everybody. Rising tide lifts all boats. That's applicable here. So I, I do not like hearing from the Pac-12 that, A, we don't have a media deal yet. I don't like hearing that. B, I don't like hearing that academics are so important, but they do, and I get it. Right? I understand that because there's so much money at play there. I get it. Okay. But see, I do not want to hear, well, they don't have any other great sports teams. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. It just, it does, I'm not trying to dog on those athletes who work just as hard, who are never going to get the sort of attention, who are not going to get all the glitz and the glamour and, you know, NIA and all that sort of stuff. It's not going to happen, at least not, you know, in this, in, in my particular lifetime. It's just such a long way to go on that front for a lot of sports. I'm not saying never, but it's not happening right now. I reject the notion that those sports not being up to standard and not being able to compete should be a reason to not add a school, whether that's Boise State or somebody else. Okay, let's talk about football. So the non-conference schedule for the Pac-12 uh, is great. So I went through and I ranked the opportunity 
for who has the most to gain. Now, think, think about the language here. This is very important. Which schools have the most to gain by picking up a key non-conference victory? 1 through 12, I rank them. Let's go with number one. Utah. Coming off a Rose Bowl loss. Still haven't been to the college football playoff in the four-team era. Last opportunity to do so, and they've got two games, Florida and Baylor. Florida home week one, at Baylor week two. A little bit of a gauntlet there for the Utes. If you win both of those games, you are in prime position to go to the playoff. And nothing elevates your brand as a former G5 and now two-time defending conference champion than getting to the college football playoff other than maybe winning a Rose Bowl. They've played in two of those. Almost won one, did not almost win the other. Had some unfortunate occurrences there. I think Utah's got the most to gain if they're able to pick up, because they have two Power 5 non-conference opponents. Now, sticking with that theme, number two on this list is Colorado. Can you imagine, just stop and think, Deion Sanders hasn't even coached a game at Colorado. Hasn't even coached a game. Not one single game. And he's already one of the most hated guys in college football, or most, or most beloved guys in college football, depending on whom you ask. So if he picks up a Power 5 win, he's got two of them too. He's got two Power 5 non-conference opponents on the schedule. If he upsets TCU, the national runner-up from a year ago, they're 20-point underdogs. Or if he beats Nebraska, where they're 7.5-point home underdogs in Boulder at Week 2, that place is going to be rocking. First home game under Coach Prime. Ooh, baby, sign me up. That place is going to be on fire. If he just wins one of those games, he's going to be the talk of the town. Again, a lot to gain there. And the momentum, it would just keep snowballing for him on the recruiting trail. Number three, this might surprise some people. I went with Washington State because they are having a Power 5 non-conference opponent go to Martin Stadium for the first time. Someone can double-check me on this, but I'm pretty sure my statistical digging was correct. Since 1998, they haven't had somebody. If you win that game, if you beat if you're Jake Dickert, you beat Wisconsin back-to-back years, whew, that's a statement for your first two years as a head coach to win those games. Luke Fickle's in there. That's going to be a primetime game. That's going to be a nationally televised game. It's going to be awesome. That's a massive opportunity for the Cougars. Massive because of the opponent they're playing there. You have a lot to gain there. I could have them a touch high on this list, but I think that it is warranted. Number four, Arizona. Who were we talking about yesterday on the show? Arizona and all that recruiting momentum. You went from one win to five wins. They play at Mississippi State in week two. Can you imagine a non-conference Power 5 SEC road win for the Arizona Wildcats? Something that was unthinkable just two seasons ago. Can you imagine if they do that on top of what they have shown themselves capable of on the recruiting trail, on top of the identity they're continuing to build for themselves nationally as a program? They have a long ways to go. You can make huge strides if you walk into Starkville and walk out a winner. It's going to be tough. I'm not denying that. But it's a big opportunity because it is so tough. Number five, Stanford. I know. 
a lot of bottom dwellers, or who people think might be, or at least who FanDuel thinks might be closer to the bottom than they are to the top here on the list. But that's kind of the point. Stanford comes in at number five. Now you're asking yourself, Spencer, why in the world does Stanford have one of the top half biggest opportunities in the Pac-12 and the non-conference slate this year to elevate their status as a program? Okay, I had some time to think about it. I didn't actually need it. I was just kind of letting you think about it, letting that question marinate a little bit. The answer is that Stanford's non-conference opponent of note is Notre Dame. They beat Notre Dame last year. Hmm. I know, everybody forgot that, but it happened. If Troy Taylor does that in year one, kind of like Arizona. You couple recruiting success with an on-field win like that, I tell you, look at what can happen. Number six, Oregon. They play a fairly kind of like underrated tough game at Texas Tech in week two. That's a game that can be good enough, I think, with what the Red, Red Raiders did last year, what they could be this year. That could you that you could look back and say yeah, that's a quality non-conference win, power five opponent on the road, and if that's your you know if that's a win you have and you only have one loss, that's a good enough resume to get you into the college football playoff. So I have them slotted just ahead of Washington because I think it's a bigger opportunity for Oregon because they have more to gain because I think Washington has more to lose because Washington is a big favorite. Big favorite, 11 and a half point favorite at Michigan State week three in East Lansing. That means the market, the betting markets, the odds makers expect Washington to win that game comfortably. Doesn't mean you have nothing to gain. You have something to gain. But the ranking here is which programs have the most to gain. And I think Oregon's got a little bit more to gain there because their game's tougher. Next, my, my favorite team of all time, obviously, the California Golden Bears. You beat Auburn week two at home. I don't think it's necessarily, though it could be, a sign of, hey, we're about to, you know, take off like a rocket ship and uh, and really, you know, build ourselves into a winning program. Eh, maybe, but you can buy Justin Wilcox some stability and you can help get them bowl eligible. And that's something to gain. It's not the most to gain. It's why they're lower on the list, but it's something. Next, Oregon State. They're also kind of in the Washington realm of they have more to lose than they have to gain. Now, going 3-0 in a conference play, that's where the Beavs would like to be. You want to be a dark horse for the college football playoff, you got to go 3-0. and But again, I put them more in the they have more to lose than they do to gain because their two non-conference opponents are San Diego State at home and San Jose State on the road. So not the biggest games there, but you know, still an opportunity. UCLA's next at number 10. Uh, pretty weak non-conference. Coastal Carolina at San Diego State. The other thing with UCLA and why I don't think they have a lot to gain with those games is, are expectations that high this year? Are they even going to be a preseason top 25 team? I don't have that high of expectations for UCLA. I think they're going to be right around 8-4. and four. They could go 9-3. and three. They'll probably go 3-0 and oh in their non-conference slate. They could lose to San Diego State, though. You never know. But I, I think they're kind of 7-5, and 9-3. I don't think they're a conference championship team this year, so I have them lower. Arizona State, number 11. You know, beating Oklahoma State in week two would be massive, but that feels like it would be more of an upset kind of one-off rather than, hey, they could, you know, really build it. Like, we know what Arizona State can be. We've seen them in the Pac-12 championship game before. They're in year one of the rebuild. Expectations, like UCLA, not very high. So I don't think the ramifications, it would be nice. It would be good. Don't get me wrong. But compared to other schools, I don't think they have a ton to gain there by winning that. And then the last one, 
the last one, the conference favorite, USC. Yeah, I think USC has the least to gain in their non-conference slate because as the conference favorite, you got everything to lose. And as a team with college football playoff aspirations, you've only got stuff to lose. If you beat Notre Dame, which is your big non-conference game, your other non-conference are San Jose State and I think an FCS school or something. I, I, I forgot the other one, but it's not you know a, a big-time opponent in there. But the big non-conference game is Notre Dame. And if you win that game, will it feel like you have taken leaps and bounds forward? Could you elevate yourself as a program? No. You can just help yourself stay in the playoff picture. So that's why I have uh, USC lowest on the list. But curious as to your thoughts, drop them in the YouTube comments uh, as always, or hit me up on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore PAC 12. Last thing here for the day, this is the mailbag. All those ways I just mentioned for where you can drop your thoughts, great place to drop a mailbag question. Always open all summer, all year long. This from at Rancart. Speaking of Notre Dame, Spencer, an off-topic question. I read an article just now from two days ago about how Notre Dame may have to join a Power 5 conference to get the TV money that they want. They can get a lot of TV money anyway. The article, of course, mentioned that the preference might be the Big Ten or SEC. It said that it would probably probably be the Big Ten unless the Pac-12 could convince Notre Dame to join them. Wouldn't that be great? This seems like something you should investigate. Could you please check in with your sources about whether the Pac has talked to Notre Dame about joining? So, first of all, I love that you think I've got a lot of sources. I don't have, I'll say, I won't have, I don't have zero. I don't have a ton, mostly in the opinion game here. But here's, here's my feeling on Notre Dame. If they end up joining a conference, there are contractual obligations they have to get around for joining the ACC, as in the sports that are not football are in the ACC. And my understanding is that there is a legal tie to where if Notre Dame does join a conference, it has to be the ACC. Now, my other sense is that if Notre Dame really wanted to get out of that and just pay some money and then go to the Big Ten, the Big Ten wants them. The Big Ten should want them. They're in the middle of Big Ten country. They feel like a Big Ten school. Academically, they're very much a Big Ten school. And I think that that... Again, this is speculative on my part, but I get the sense that if they really, really wanted to join the Big Ten, they could probably make it happen and find a workaround, maybe pay the ACC some money or something. I don't know. So I I think that that is how that would likely play out if they wanted to do that, but I don't think they want to. I don't think in the 12-team playoff they need to because the question before was, hey, does Notre Dame need to join a conference in order to, uh, you know, get into the 14 playoff? Do they need the conference championship game? Do they need that extra game so they don't have to go 12-0? and Well, now in a 12-team playoff, they don't have to. They, they definitely do not have to. And Notre Dame is not short on money. They're not going to be falling way behind Big Ten schools. They bring a lot to the table financially on their own. That's why the Big Ten wants them so badly, because it would create a bunch of great matchups. It would create a bunch of money and all that sort of stuff. You'd have the brand of Notre Dame there. So they absolutely would want them. But Notre Dame now in the 12-team playoff, I don't think they're going to be jumping, you know, chomping at the bit to join the conference because they'll look at it and go, hey, we're, we're, we're kind of good. <laughs> like, we're, we're, we're okay. They're the only team that's hanging out there without a conference that anybody actually wants because they're the one that provide a lot of value. So I don't think that's particularly likely compared to what it might have been if you'd asked me 365 days ago. I would have said, eh, they might have to, but now we've got the 12-team playoff coming, and ugh, eye roll for me. But I think that's where they sit right now. As it pertains to the Pac-12, this is a pipe dream and a half. 
Like, I know a lot of people out there think, oh, Spencer, you're a Pac-12 homer. I just come on here and give my opinions. They are what they are. You think whatever you want. Here's what I think about Notre Dame. No way. I cannot foresee a world, the only one in which Notre Dame could join the Pac-12, but even that, I don't know, could join the Pac-12 one day is if somehow the the, the tables turn in like five years and the Pac-12 is in a position of power and they're trying to lure Big 12 schools away and they get some and make them more appealing. But even then, I don't think it'd be as appealing as the, Pac- as, as the Big 10. So I can't foresee a world in which Notre Dame would look at the Pac-12 and say, that's our best option. That's where our best interests are going to lie. Because yes, academically they're a fit, but it, they're, they're also a fit in the Big Ten or the ACC, which are good academic conferences and have, you know, presidents and chancellors that place a value on that sort of stuff like they do in in the Pac-12. So I can't see that happening. Um, I mean, if you're the Pac-12, what's the harm in reaching out, seeing if they'd be interested, give them special favors, do whatever you want. I mean, yeah, it would be awesome for so many reasons, but... Had I ever thought about it before this question came up? Not really, because that's just something that doesn't appear to be feasible for the Pac-12 at this point in time. And it's hard to see how even in an ever-evolving landscape that's got a lot of different permutations of outcomes going forward, how that could result to Notre Dame saying, yeah, we'd like to join the Pac-12. Of course, the Pac-12 would take them. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not, not banking on anything like that. Keep the questions coming though. I love them. YouTube comments or Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac 12. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, have a wonderful rest of your day.